How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's a typical day here in the WBBM newsroom. Phone calls are being made to sources and stories are being prepped for air. But our podcast team needs an honest answer from our staff about an odd topic. Would you eat a credit card? Um, would I eat a credit card? It depends on how it's cooked, like, you know, um, no, uh, <laughs> no, something tells me I've already eaten several credit cards worth of PFAs, though, I'm sure. My own credit card? I'd eat my own credit card. Chew it, I wouldn't swallow. <laughs> no, hell no. It may sound strange, but as we lead up to Earth Day, it's time to learn some hard-to-swallow facts about our water. People are consuming microplastics every day, and there's some estimates suggest that you're consuming about a, a credit card's worth of plastic uh, in your body every week. Wow. Well, I have, I have a, uh, a water pitcher that is filtered, and I've noticed when the reservoir dries out, I notice little microbeads, and I'm sure they're plastics. Like, it could be more, <laughs> is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yikes. Uh, <laughs> On today's episode, we look into Chicago's timeline on replacing lead service lines, the effects of microplastics in our aquatic ecosystem, and two organizations in our own backyard, one high-tech, the other grassroots, that are making a difference in water quality for future generations. I'm Mai Martinez, and this is Courier Pigeon. So how often do you drink water? Do you put it in your emotional support water bottle or go the athletic way with an empty milk jug? And are you drinking at least the recommended 64 ounces a day? And most importantly, where are you getting that water from? The faucet? A bottle? Depending on your water source, you could be consuming contaminants. When I look at the water of the Great Lakes, I see that water as this incredible ecology and natural resource, and I see it as something that a thousand people use in a thousand different ways. And that use has to be sustainable and safe for everyone for us to really call these Great Lakes protected. That's Joel Bremmeyer. He's the CEO of the Alliance for the Great Lakes, a Chicago-based nonpartisan nonprofit. It's also the largest and oldest citizens environmental group focused on preservation and protection of the Great Lakes. Joel's love and respect for the environment stems from his childhood, hiking, vacationing on the Great Lakes, and even visiting Alaska. He says previous generations, going back centuries, have manipulated the environment so much that it's contributing to our current aquatic ecosystem issues. In the 19th century and even into the mid-20th century, uh, the, you know, the, the predominant thought was the idea that we can control nature. 
that moving water, moving uh, species around was seen as a good thing because it meant that we were putting nature to use for, for our own needs. Uh, we have a much more, I would say, um, nuanced view of that today, which is more recognizing that uh, nature always wins. And so, you know, our goal is to make sure we are working with our water, that we are treating our water like the, va like the valuable resource it is rather than trying to manipulate it. It's a very different way of thinking about the environment. So we're not building giant canals, you know, across, across landscapes anymore. Um, we're not doing things like turning the Chicago River around to send pollution down to St. Louis, right? That's a really outmoded way of thinking. Now we're focused on uh, taking care of the water where it lands. So where the rain falls is where the water belongs and treating the Great Lakes like the ecologically and economically incredibly significant resource that they are. Um, and so that means that, you know, we've got some damage to undo from the way we've treated water over the last couple of centuries, but um, today, you know, the Alliance communities around the Great Lakes are much more focused on taking care of the water as the precious resource that it actually is. As more research is done on the Great Lakes and other major water sources, environmental advocates in the Midwest and around the country have been successful in driving legislation such as the Microbeat Free Waters Act of 2015. It was an effort to protect fish and wildlife from consuming tiny beads of plastic that ended up in water ecosystems from a number of sources, including facial scrubs. The law prohibits the manufacturing, packaging, and distribution of rinse-off cosmetics containing small beads of plastic, 5 millimeters or less in size. That's just one example of how advocates are advancing protections of our natural resources and drinking water. But as Joel alluded to, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We don't talk about our rivers as if they are open sewers anymore. We talk about them as resources that need to be restored and protected. Now, we've still got some ways to go on Chicago's rivers to achieve that, but that's, that's the trend that we're on. My name is Matthew Hoffman. I'm an associate professor in the School of Mathematical Sciences at Rochester Institute of Technology, based in Rochester, New York. In a 2016 study, Matthew found that 22 million pounds of plastics end up in the Great Lakes every year, half of which is in Lake Michigan alone. That's enough plastic to fill up 100 Olympic-sized swimming pools. WBBM podcast producer Ariel Ravenet spoke with Matthew about what the stats look like now, seven years later. That number hasn't changed a lot. We haven't, we haven't refined it yet. Um, what we're working on at the moment, a lot of our current research, in collaboration with the Natural Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is trying to do a much better local job of estimating uh, some of these numbers. Um, because that's sort of just a, a plastic estimate, but the thing about plastic that makes it interesting and challenging is that it is this diverse range of different polymers and products and you know each with their, their sort of own unique characteristics. And Joel explains how these issues go beyond the lake and right to your doorstep. So plastics are one of the most recent scourges to be discovered in the lakes. If you go out into the Great Lakes, you will find just about anywhere uh, tiny plastic particles called microplastics uh, that are throughout the water column. Um, these microplastics can be consumed by fish and wildlife. They've been found regularly in the stomachs of, of fish. So they're um, definitely being seen as kind of a, a food replacement, which of course they're not. Uh, microplastics can actually bind with toxic chemicals that are in the environment. So they can have this sort of effect of concentrating 
other chemicals that are harmful to fish and wildlife. And they're being found in things like um, uh, packaged food products, bottled water, beer, anything that actually relies on a water supply from the environment, you're seeing these microplastics show up. So people are consuming microplastics every day. And there's some estimates suggest that um, you're consuming about a, a credit card's worth of plastic uh, in your body every week. There's that credit card reference again. That estimate comes from a world wildlife study, which means unbeknownst to many of us, the average person could be consuming five grams of plastic every week. We go back to how do you deal with the Great Lakes plastics problem? It's actually stopping the plastic from getting into the water in the first place. Um, and so that means changing the way that we think about food packaging, changing uh, how much plastic is actually being produced, reducing the amount that's being produced, and really understanding that it's on the producer of the plastic to take responsibility for this product that's getting out everywhere in our lakes, in our hair, in the water we drink. And we've really got to sort of change this conversation to one where it's not just about cleaning up. It's not just about recycling. It's actually about reducing the amount that's out there in circulation and you're relying on plastics where we have to but making sure that we're not overusing them in places where we don't. In general, microplastics aren't small when created. Water, ultraviolet light, and weather break down larger plastics over time, hence the term micro. It's only then those plastics are small enough for humans and animals to consume. So although climate change and water pollution may seem like different topics to some, Joel states the two are directly related. So we don't often think about plastics as a climate issue or as a petroleum issue. But in fact, uh, most of these plastics are being produced from uh, feedstocks that are coming from petroleum that's being mined out of the ground. And so plastic has some very real connections, just like energy production, just like uh, auto transport, some very real connections to uh, climate change. And so reducing plastic production, reducing plastic consumption also reduces the amount that we're relying on petroleum which is a really good thing. Um, and so again, if you look at the long view of plastics, uh, we're not just reducing pollution in the water, we're actually gonna reduce our reliance on oil by reducing um, how much plastic is, is being produced and consumed. Chicago is far from the only city to be subject to water pollution concerns. In a 2013 cost-saving measure, Flint, Michigan began using water from the Flint River on a temporary basis awaiting the opening of a new pipeline from Lake Huron, which would allow the city to move away from Detroit's water system for the first time in five decades. But the river was found to be corrosive. For more than 100 years, that river was used as an unofficial site for waste disposal from several major industries, including auto manufacturers and meatpacking plants. Flint officials failed to treat the water, which exposed tens of thousands of people to lead and other toxins, as corrosive water flowed through the pipes. So far, the deaths of 12 people can be linked to that disaster. Similar concerns popped up recently in Philadelphia after a chemical spill dumped more than 8,000 gallons of a latex finishing solution into the Delaware River. Most troubling, that spill included butyl acrylate, a colorless liquid with a strong smell. That same chemical was also released in the recent train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. This incident prompted people in Philly to stockpile water. Here's reporter Tim Jimenez from our sister station, KYW. 
Residents from the northeast down to South Philly got an alert saying the city was recommending bottled water until further notice. People then rushed to buy and stores were wiped out. Now those who were shut out tried again this morning and some who stopped by the Acme on Cotman Ave got lucky. I want to be prepared and then you want to wait the last minute. I got to get the water just in case. Two o'clock we get another alert on our phones that the water isn't safe. With so many daunting questions surrounding water safety, many ask what's being done locally to prevent further damage and empower the people of Chicago. This is not just an environmental justice issue. This is a social issue, an economic issue, and a health issue. And I want you to send your message as loud as you can to Washington and to Copenhagen in December. That's from a speech at a rally in 2009 organized by El Vejo the Little Village Environmental Justice Organization to shut down two coal power plants in the area. Not only was that campaign a success, but El Vejo has been standing up for the mostly Latino population of Little Village since 1994 through grassroots education, protest, and stewardship. However, in 2020, during the pandemic, the neighborhood suffered an environmental setback when one of those coal plants was imploded blanketing the area around it in dust that included asbestos and lead. The city approved the permits and oversaw the demolition, despite protests. El Vejo is no stranger to contamination in their community. The group's water justice research analyst, Feliciano Osegueda, tells us more about El Vejo's first fight. There was a group of concerned parents um, of students who were attending Gary Elementary School in the Little Village neighborhood and they were um, concerned about some renovations that were being done to the school that would potentially expose students to harmful chemicals. As part of that fight, parents were able to get the school to, to kind of back off. And um, ever since then, in 1994, the organization Alejo um, was formed and has been working since then to, to kind of push back on environmental pollution in the Little Village neighborhood, working with youth in the neighborhood, to identify what were um, like some key environmental issues that, that community members were concerned about, and then working to identify how to advocate for changes when it came to pollutive industries in the community. Feliciano's role provided research on current water conditions that can act as a catalyst for change on a local, state, and national level. He also has a constant dialogue with the Little Village community, hearing their concerns, and educating people on issues that affect their health and well-being. So what exactly is water justice? So water justice is one of the goals that Alejo is aiming for through our work, and that means making sure that every person in our community and across Chicago has um, access to clean, safe, and affordable drinking water, and that there's an equitable water infrastructure system in the city of Chicago so that improvements are reaching the people that are most affected by water issues um, in a timely manner. A new law that passed in 2022 states that Chicago has until 2077 to replace all lead service lines for drinking water citywide. That's approximately 390,000 lead service lines, which could cost anywhere from $15,000 to $26,000 per line. Here's a clip of Chicago Commissioner of Water Management, Andrea Chang, from last year. It was also critical that we, we come up with a plan that reduced the financial burden on our, on our citizens by taking advantage of every state, federal funding opportunity we have um, 
and, you know, also that our program be voluntary. Homeowners can choose to cover the bill themselves or apply to potentially have the city cover the cost by meeting certain income requirements. Otherwise, if you're currently renting in Chicago, Feliciano says you'll have to wait for your landlord to take action, which is why many in areas like Little Village feel as if they're near the bottom of a 50-plus year wait list. As of this moment, the um, City of Chicago's Lead Service Line Replacement Program, um, all three components of it are only available to homeowners or landlords to apply to. Um, so at the moment, a renter would have to ask their landlord to apply for the program. There could be some cases where the, the landlord still would have the costs covered by the city. Um, but it really is dependent on the landlord. There's some examples um, in other cities where been some pushes to have, um, you know, the legal standing for renters to be able to apply for a lead service line replacement. That's certainly something that should be studied here in Chicago as a potential option for future action by different mayoral administrations or the city council. Um, but at the moment, um, it's purely on the homeowner to apply for, for a lead service and replacement, and renters are, are currently blocked from the program. When independent voices like El Vejo shared their concerns from Little Village, a tech-savvy water innovation hub located downtown is listening. Our job is really to listen to everybody and trying to understand what are the challenges and how can we be an agent of change to support their goals. So what are your concerns? How can technology help? When we come back, we'll hear how another environmental org is using the best available technology to monitor the Chicago River and providing those results in real time to anyone with a computer or smartphone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I just think, you know, Chicago River is is a really beautiful part of the city and in in my view it's almost as beautiful as our lakefront and should be preserved in the same way. That clip is from a video made by Current, a water innovation hub located near Madison and Wells downtown. Sitting down with WBBM podcast producer Jim Hankey, Elena Harkness describes their team as a coalition of water problem solvers. Chicago has incredible water resources. I think we all tend to take them for granted, but you see this incredible lake, you know, the store of so much of the world's fresh water, and we have this incredible river system. There was not as much of a tally of the way that all of our economic assets could help make us into a center of problem solving and innovation for water technology. So Current was really formed to bring all those partners together to create our region into one of the global centers of water problem solving around the world. But instead of focusing on everyone's own water intake at home, one of Current's larger projects, H2Now, still involves the safe usage of one of Chicago's most important natural resources. H2Now, you can think of it as a weather app or like a Fitbit for the Chicago River. Right. So the Chicago River flows through our neighborhoods and is part of a much broader river system. But 
it fluctuates. The health of the river, just like the health of our bodies, some days are better than others. And that's the bottom line message that we want to spread to the many residents of our city that want to use the river, whether it's recreationally or as a you know big neighborhood economic development asset. If you've ever been down to Ping Tom Park in Chinatown, um, you've seen the ways that like green infrastructure and places for people to congregate near neighborhoods that have really incredible cultural resources and food and all of that. The river connects all of those things. And so we want people to be empowered users of that river. And we also want them to care about its health and to invest in the health. So that starts with understanding how its health is fluctuating in real time. So H2Now makes real-time water quality data available to the public in an understandable way. And that data can be accessed by the public at any given time. So you can pull up on your phone h2nowchicago.org, and that's our website. And you'll see gauges. And we've got one for the North Branch, one for the Main Stem, and one for the South Branch. And they'll show you on any given day, is the river water quality generally good? Or is it a day where you want to exercise a little bit of caution if you're maybe thinking about taking a kayak out? And so we have that real-time data available. Um, our goal is to launch by Memorial Day and have it up through October. So it's about a six-month season that really captures the period of most intense rainfall and also the period where people are most actively out using that river. Earlier, Joel spoke about how climate change affects water pollution in our city, and Elena echoes that sentiment, because as the earth warms, rainfall in certain areas increases. So the fluctuating rainfall is really interesting, and it's one of the drivers of our changing river water quality. Um, as climate change brings more intense rainstorms to the region, those are the ones that often create the kind of runoff from surface streets that impact the quality of the river. So we actually have a team um, that chases storms. So when we're going to get a really big uh, rainstorm, we have a team that goes out and does spot sampling to actually check and understand if the novel technology gauges that we have are tracking what we'd expect to see from lab results. So uh, that's a fun part of our season when the storm chasers are out <laughs> trying to collect samples during these rain events. Even with the technology of H2Now or the community activism of El Vejo, Joel says no one person or entity is going to solve a worldwide water crisis, but enough individuals together can potentially change legislation. You know, it's okay to say these problems feel overwhelming, like environmental problems can feel overwhelming. We don't say to address climate change, well, if everybody just drove a little bit less, everything will be fine, right? And I'm not going to say with plastics, if everybody just bought one less six pack, everything's going to be fine. That's not how this works. These are big collective problems and they are going to require the companies that manufacture plastic to make less of it. They are going to require the government to actually regulate some forms of plastic to get that reduction because this is a problem we all share. And individual responsibility is important. And my organization really uh, advances and elevates the idea of stewardship of our lakes and everybody can play a part in that. And we need big action to deal with big problems like plastics, like agricultural pollution, because no one person can solve those on their own. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM Courier Pigeon, our newest podcast. Subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. For photos and videos relating to this week's show, follow WBBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks to Current and El Vejo for permission to use their videos in this episode. WBBM Courier Pigeon is an original podcast production. 
It's hosted by Mai Martinez, produced, written, and edited by Jim Hankey, Ariel Ravenet, and Lizzie Baumgartner. Reporting for this episode was done by Ariel Ravenet, Jim Hankey, and Lizzie Baumgartner, with editorial direction by Mai Martinez and Lizzie Baumgartner. Thanks for listening to WBBM Courier Pigeon. I'm Mai Martinez. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.